In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. It's time for Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi. Everyone has learned lessons in life during their lifetime. Some good, some bad. But from everyone, there has been something learned. And now it's time to share that knowledge. It's called Paying It Forward. Here, these lessons learned are then paid forward to you. With you, Paying It Forward too. Josephine put her professional career on hold after the birth of her first child and turned her attention to being a full-time mother. Well, for three kids later, Josephine started her own company, MyMomKnowsBest.com and Glovies, but was dismayed by a lack of information that people would share to help entrepreneurs be successful. That's where Paying It Forward was born. This is Paying It Forward on Drugginet.com. And now, here's your host, Josephine Jirasi. Well, good morning, everyone. It's Josephine Jirasi here, and today I am absolutely thrilled that I have Catherine Ryan Hyde, who is an, a famous author in my mind. She's got over 15 published books and many forthcoming books. Um, while Catherine is known for her book, Pay It Forward, which, of course, the motion picture was um, based upon. Catherine has so many other books um, and accomplishments that I would like to stress on today. You know, as everybody knows, my show is usually about entrepreneurs, entre- um, helping entrepreneurs. Um, today is going to be more about probably authors helping authors, but um, in my mind, I look at Catherine as an entrepreneur also, especially sh- since she started. Um, the foundation pay it forward, which is, as everyone knows, when you um, start a foundation, it's just like running a business anyway. So uh, I just want to tell you a little bit about um, some of the recent books that Catherine has come out with and, um, of course, some of her accomplishments. So her newer novels are Becoming Chloe. That's a great book. Love in the Present Tense, The Year of My Miraculous Reappearance, Chasing Windmills, The Day I Killed James, Diary of a Witness, and When I Found You. So, Catherine, I'm just mentioning a couple of your titles, and then we can go back and we can talk about the other ones. Um, I also just wanted to mention that um, Catherine has many short stories. She's written over 50 of them, and her stories have been honored in the Raymond Carver Short Story Contest and the Tobias Wolf Award, and nominated for Best American Short Stories, the O. Henry Award, and the Pushcart Prize. Three have been cited in the Best American Short Stories. So, Catherine, I hope I did you justice um, with your introduction, and I just want to welcome you to Pay It Forward, and I thank you so much for getting up so early and being part of um, our our show today. So welcome, Catherine. I think you did great with the introduction. (laughs) Well, you know what? Uh, I spent a lot of time researching you, Catherine, and I'm just thrilled that you're a part of this because you, it just seems to me that you put your heart and soul into everything you do, and it shows. And um, 
I had seen you on some videos, and sometimes I think as entrepreneurs, a lot, and as writers, a lot of times we just don't give ourselves credit for what we've really accomplished. And you are just such a humble person. And um, I just want you to know that we as readers are just in awe of you. So thanks again, Catherine. Well, thank you. And, and I, I, I hope everyone will take this exactly in the spirit it's intended, but I hope we have some readers listening this morning. I mean, I hope that some of the people who are listening to me actually are readers because some, sometimes I get such a strong reaction from the Pay Forward message, and it kind of makes me sad that so many of those people will say, well, you know, I saw the movie, but I don't know, somehow I guess reading a book is. Well, uh, let me just put it like this. I'm still a real big fan of literacy. And uh, you know what I mean? Like with kids coming up in school and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely, Catherine. And um, I'll tell you one thing. I think we have a lot of readers listening. And uh, I tweeted tweeted this morning and uh, I sent it out to our wonderful mom entrepreneur group that I'm a part of, which is over a thousand moms who have their own businesses. And I'll tell you one thing, Catherine, I am sure by the end of this interview, uh, we will have some people that will be followers for you because I'm hooked. I'm telling you, it's your, your books are just riveting. I mean, you really can't put them down. And, um, I just want to, I'll tell you a little about why I came up with the idea for my show and then we'll bring it, um, and explain to the listeners, just for those, I'm sure there aren't many, but if somebody needs to know what the movie was about, we'll tell them that. And I'll, I'd like to take a minute to just tell them what inspired you to write that movie. So, Catherine, the reason why I came up with um, my show, Paying It Forward with Josephine Durasi, is because I had an experience in my life where, unfortunately, my first husband, um, after many years of together and we finally got married, it was only 15 days after our wedding that he was diagnosed with a malignant brain tumor. And it was very sad, but, you know, it it makes us strong for those experiences. But when I was going through that experience, I just felt like I was learning so much along the way about how to care for a cancer patient. And um, I just felt like, wow, if I could just write this down and get this out there to people, and if I could help just one person learn from my experience, it would help. So I then, now as an entrepreneur and myself, I just feel that when we go through life, we learn so much. And why should we keep those lessons to ourselves? Why can't we just share what we've learned, pay it forward, and help other people make their life just a little easier? So that's kind of the concept um, why I came up with this, and it's it, it came to me because I absolutely loved your book, and I loved the movie as well, Pay It Forward. So for those who might not be familiar with your book, Pay It Forward, which, trust me, Catherine, I think everybody is, but um, the book is based on um, a very simple concept. It started small, and it truly ends big. It's about a teacher who gives an assignment to seventh graders. And um, they need to come up with an idea of how they can change the world. So one little boy in the class came up with an idea of how you can take, you can do a favor for one person, and then in turn you turn around and you do that 
a favor for three, per, three strangers, but it has to be a favor that the stranger cannot do for themselves. In return, uh, am I saying that you are one person, you choose three strangers and do a favor for each, um, and in return, instead of paying it back to you, they pay it forward to three other strangers and the cycle begins. I hope that came out right the way I wanted it to. Catherine, did I explain that okay? Yeah, you did. The only thing I would want to add to that is it doesn't necessarily have to be a stranger. There are a lot of people who feel some fear around doing something for a stranger. And it can also be like somebody who works in your office but you don't really know them or your neighbor who you don't normally talk to very much. Uh-huh. The idea is it should just be somebody who doesn't expect nearly that much from you. Yeah. But sometimes uh-huh. it helps people's safety level if it's I think that's great. So, all right, because you probably get this question a thousand times and you've answered it a thousand times, I think you know, I would I would just explain to the listeners what inspired you to come up with the book, Pay It Forward. So it's a very interesting story. I was laughing when I had um, seen your video and it describes how when you were younger, you were driving through a bad neighborhood and your car started smoking. So, Catherine, I just want you to know right off the bat, when I was 24 years old, I probably thought the exact same way that you did, that, you know what, my car really doesn't have to be serviced. And even though that engine light came on for me one time in my life. Yeah, that's so Absolutely, until that moment comes when the car just doesn't want to move anymore and you saw that smoke and you probably panicked and you're in this bad neighborhood and you're saying, oh my God, should I get out? Should I stay in? And of course, when you see that smoke, you get out. So what happens? Two good Samaritans come up to you um, to help you and um, another good Samaritan passes by and they alert the fire department and I was laughing because like you said, there were no cell phones in, you know, 20 years ago, so it's kind of funny. I know, the time's going fast. Yeah. So, so the fire department comes, you're talking to the you know, firemen, and you turn around to thank the men, and they were gone. And that was it. And I, I could just feel the moment. It's just like your heart sinks, and you're like, wow, this was probably the most important thank you I have to give to somebody in my entire life, and I can't do it. No, and they were gone. And LA, so, LA's kind of a big town. I mean, I knew right at that moment. I probably wouldn't run into them again. Oh, yeah. And so it's not just... like Cambria, where I live now. If it was Cambria, I just watched for their faces. But you don't really do that now, right? Yeah, I, I hear you. you. You don't. And the thing is, you were probably saying your thank you in your head, hoping that they could hear you, but they just couldn't. And as a result, you then decided to pay it forward in a different way. So you were on the lookout for someone in trouble, and that's how you came up with the idea to pay it forward, that you wanted Thank to you help so someone. Thank you so much for telling that story for me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I really have told it. I mean, literally, I'm going to I'll be having lunch with people at once, and all of a sudden, somebody will say, you know what I've always wanted to ask you? How did you come up with the pay it forward idea? You know, and I kind of like stop chewing and my digestion. Right. Yeah. Well, Catherine, I'm an inventor, okay? So I get the question.
question all the time. So where did you come up with your idea of Glovies? How did you do it? And I have to go through this whole entire story about how I took my two-year-old into a public restroom for the first time, and he was touching everything, blah, blah, blah. And to me, I want to say blah, 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 but the thing is that um, people are hearing it for the first time. So as a vendor, yeah. But the fact that for each one of those individual people, it's a very normal curiosity. This, by the way, is why I dug up what I thought was, was a, a pretty nice uh, piece of video of me telling the story. And I, I put it on my website, and I put it on YouTube. And so, you know, when people write to me and say, how'd you come up with that idea? Instead of, you know, well, I mean, I don't want to be grumbling with people. I understand why they want to know. But I just like it. Well, Catherine, I can't wait um, to hear more. This interview is going so fast already, but um, we'll be back shortly. We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi right after these on Toginet.com. Critical thinking in the real world. What does it take to get ahead and stay ahead of the curve in this ever-changing world around us? Critical thinking in the real world with Janet Hens. Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central on Toginet. Starting November 4th, Janet Hens is a college instructor, speaker, writer, wife, and mother of three young children. She also has her Master's of Arts in writing from Johns Hopkins University. Janet began her career working for a congressman on Capitol Hill, then moved over to lobbying when he retired. It was through these jobs that she learned about the power of grassroots initiatives, media relations, and public speaking. And then she honed these skills when she became a college instructor. Today, she artfully balances work with full-time motherhood. In the show, Critical Thinking in the Real World, Janet will discuss hot topics and the critical thinking necessary to assess them. Her passion for education impacts her daily life and she'll share that in every show. Critical thinking in the real world with Janet Hens Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central starting November 4th on toginet.com Now, this Saturday morning, we're going to count them down one more time from number 40 all the way to number one with the official classic hits countdown, the American Rock and Roll Countdown. We'll count down the biggest hits of the 70s with interviews and artist information, news, weather, sports, you name it, we'll have it this Saturday morning, 9 o'clock Eastern, right here on Toginet for the American Rock and Roll Countdown. The American Rock and Roll Countdown on Toginet. Mind Matters is the show that dares to ask what's on your mind. Take this opportunity to join Dr. Larry Ross, clinical psychologist, and Joan Duhane, licensed clinical social worker, as they combined have over 50 years of experience in dealing with your mind. Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, only on Toginet Radio. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful. As we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi on toginet.com. Well, welcome back, everybody. I am just so excited to have, you know, the famous author Catherine Ryan Hyde with us today. So, um, Catherine, so we were just talking about uh, how we always have to repeat um, whether it's an invention like mine or if somebody says, so what made you come up with the idea to write the book? 
So, Catherine, it's so funny. I was thinking as an inventor, I said, wouldn't that be cool if there was like a watch that we could just uh, have a recording on our wrist and we just push that button and, you know, it's just explained. I like that. I like that. I could It's so funny, but I want to get back to your website and... Catherine, it's just amazing. I love, love your website. Oh, and thank you. Thank you. That's very important to me because initially I had one that was done by a professional, and now I've got one that I do myself. So I know, and I, I read that, I heard that about you, and I just want you to know we are we all do the same thing. We feel that you know those professionals. Oh, that that's what they do for a living. They're the best person to do it. We pay a ridiculous amount of money to do it, and you know what happens in the end? It's it's not us. Yeah. It's not who yes, we. Yes, exactly, exactly. It's like a third person thing that just kind of looks. It's almost like the writing on the wall that stands between the reader and the. And yeah. The I agree 100%, and it's just amazing to me that you said, okay, enough of that. I'm going to talk to my readers because it's about me and them. And that point comes across. I love the way you have your desk set up and your whole, all of your books piled up on your desk nice and neatly. Oh, yeah, that's gotten to be kind of like a logo almost. <laughs> I love it. It looks great, and then you... Gently pull one book at a time. You read from it. It's just amazing. It really makes people want to run out and get the book. So I think that's great. Well, so, that's nice um, to hear. By the way, I just want to clarify one thing when I was saying earlier about, you know, that, that I hope that people are readers and things like that. I'm not saying buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. It, it, it's, not, it's not that. It's not like a selling thing. I mean, I'd yeah. be really happy if people got the book out of the library and read it. Sure. It's really just more about the sense that, you know, you write a book and you sort of want people to appreciate you know, Well, anyway, I, I hope people Yes, no, we totally people. understand that, Catherine. And you know what? The library is a perfect place to go because then actually That's people... That's a bad economy, yeah. Yeah, people will get to read the whole entire thing. So, um... Okay, so I think that's great. Um, let's see, I have so much I want to talk about. I just want to say, I just, you said something very interesting. It's, a, I guess, a little quote, and uh, it's about, it goes with being an entrepreneur, and I thought it was kind of interesting when uh, you were being interviewed, and you were talking about a tight rope, a tight rope, and um, it was, you had said, who is bound to stay on the rope? It's all about taking chances oh, in life yeah. and following your calling, and I thought, wow. That is so true, and it's just so appropriate for our show that I think so many people out there would agree with you. It's, do you want to explain that a little? Yeah, I do. Um, it actually started with a, a quote. We've never been able to figure out whose quote it was, but my mother had heard it when I was just a teenager, and she, she um, said it back to me. And the quote is, and it's, it's one of my favorites, it's actually the one that I consider the secret to however much success you figure I've achieved at this point. The problem with the fallback position is that you tend to fall back. Uh-huh. So, the, so that's kind of the words that I live by. So the point that I was making on that little video is if you've got a couple of people walking on a tightrope and one of them's working with the net and one of them's working without it, who do you suppose is more likely to stay on the tightrope? Yeah. You know, I... I I think that um, I think that people have a tendency to advise us in a way that they think is good for us, especially if you want to be a writer. 
year and just be an attorney. Right. If the, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with being an attorney, but I mean, the thing is, if, if you're going to try it, and then here's what you're going to do if it's not going to work, I mean, these are difficult ways to make a living. And they're mm-hmm. going to go to the people who are 100% committed. Right. So I think the bottom line is you, you, people have to set their own priorities. Is your first priority to be financially safe? Because to some people, that is a reality. They need that. And so in that case, I think you have to set up your life for safety, and that's what you'll get. But if you want to really stretch out and reach a dream, I think you have to decide if the dream is the most important thing to you. And if it is, I think the fallback position is, is going to be nothing but trouble. Oh, that's amazing. That's so, so smart. I, I just love that, Catherine. So more or less you're saying, you know what, sometimes you have to sacrifice in life to follow your dream. And uh, sometimes it's not as financially rewarding right up front, but it's all about making an investment, believing in yourself and going forward. I'm Which very, I, oh, sorry, I'm a very strong believer in that old saying, do what you love and the money will follow. Yes, I love that. I feel like I proved it. You know, during that whole, I mean, for, for years I was a struggling artist and I wasn't making a cent and I was, you know, working part-time and all these other things. But I kept doing what I love and the money followed. Well, it was kind of odd because there was a period after Pay It Forward when I was doing a lot of traveling, I was getting very distracted, I was, I don't know, success was not being 100% friendly with me and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And, and the money was not following. And I remember ha- sitting and having a meal with the woman who at the time was my agent. She's now in a new, new line of work. And she mm-hmm. was a big believer in that, too. And I said, whatever happened to that old do what you love and the money will follow thing? And it hit me like a ton of bricks that mm-hmm. I hadn't loved what I was doing for a couple of years. Oh, wow. So I am such a believer in it that I actually believe that if you stop loving what you do, the money mm-hmm. might stop following I've actually seen it work to that degree. And then I turned around and I turned my attention to young adult fiction. Mm -hmm. I stopped doing all the traveling and the speaking, and things just kind of smoothed out again. I'm just a big believer in doing what you think that you, you know, your best shot at what you were put down here on this earth to do. And it just seems to me that when you do that, everything kind of lines up at your back and, and pushes you forward. Oh, that's amazing, Catherine. And even, you know, as entrepreneurs, I mean, I know I've got five years of my life in my business and every day we take those little steps and we take those little steps and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, you just never know when that turning point is. Right. And out of nowhere, I get a phone call and it's the producer of ABC Nightline News and I was like, wow. Wow. <laughs> that's a good moment, isn't it? You know, it's so funny. You know, Catherine, we were talking about financial um, situations and things, and um, it dawned on me when the camera crew left my house, and they were all going back into Manhattan to take a four-hour train ride back to Washington that, oh, my gosh, it was like the light bulb went off. I said, this is success, and I didn't realize it until they were all leaving, and even at that moment, I don't know if I gave myself enough credit, but which we tend not to, but that was like, wow, that was really a success. How about for yourself? I mean, as a writer, as an author, you write this book and it turns into a motion picture. It was a phenomenon. No, well, that's There's the no good news and the bad news all rolled into one. 
tell you the truth. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I had it to do over again, I'd still do it. Right, right. But it's it's that's a it's a very mixed experience for an author. Yeah. Well, let me let me say what, what's different about Pay It Forward than just about any other book that I know. And I don't I don't mean like I don't mean that like praising myself because I don't know if this is praise or not. No, you're but not. You are weird, such a humble person. Well, thank you. The weird thing about Pay It Forward is that it's a novel that was which I've never done before and probably won't do again, used to deliver a, a very simple idea. So the way that that's different from all other books is that the idea tends to be lifted out of it, leaving the novel behind, if that makes any sense at all. And, and I'm always searching for a way to sort of tell this to my readers in a way that feels positive because I worry that I start to sound negative when I say it. But I think the problem with my career has been I, I hit what I thought was this jackpot of, quote, success, end quote, pay it forward. And so I thought, well, now I'll write more books and people will read those too. But it seems like most of the people who are my fans are not necessarily readers and haven't, haven't gone on to follow. And again, I, I just need to be really clear about the fact that I don't mean that as a complaint. But it's, it's a good example of the way you'll, you'll hit something that you think is success, but it's, it's always complicated. like to go back on the positive side and expand my ideas a little bit of success and oh, say okay. that I feel that if you are doing what you love and if you wake up in the morning just you can't wait to get to what you do that day and you're able to to make a living with it to the point where you don't have to go get another job that will keep you from doing it I think okay. you are uniquely successful because I look around and most people don't live that way yeah. And, I mean, what is what is money? Ideally, money is something that's supposed to help us be happy, right? And if we're happy, does it really matter if we have just enough of it or if we have a ton of it? Does it really matter? Yeah. It's happiness. It's just, it's such a unique concept, and everybody takes it in so differently. And PBS yeah. just did this whole um, two-hour segment on um happiness and it was just so interesting all the people that they had interviewed and uh, the question is does money bring you happiness and the answer is no but the thing about money is it gives us freedom yeah. to do other things that perhaps we wouldn't be able to do yeah. if we didn't have money so and it can it's solve a, some of the problems that were making you unhappy I mean the yes. lack of money can sometimes make you unhappy because you don't know how to make your mortgage or your rent or whatever. Right. So it can certainly free you from some problems that can make you unhappy. But, um, but you know, I think the bottom line is, is we probably put too much attention on something outside of us, bringing in, reaching and grabbing and bringing into our lives something outside of us that will make us happy. And I honestly believe that people who are genuinely happy have made a decision to be happy, even if yes. there are some problems going on. Even if the heart is hurting over something, they've just made a decision to be happy. And they are. There are yeah. people who have very little money who are happy. I think you're so right. It it has to do with what you choose to think about in your head. Can you choose to think of happy things? If you choose happy thoughts, then chances are you will be a happy person. Positive thinking brings positive actions. But um, Catherine will be back shortly. We're just going to take a real quick break. Thanks so much. 
We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi right after these on Toginet.com. Inspiring women to be true to themselves. Get ready for Tracy Porter Radio on Toginet.com. 2 p.m. Central, Wednesdays, starting November 4th. Tracy Porter, lifestyle, home and fashion designer. Inspiring women from all over the world with their fashionably eclectic goods, savvy tips, style advice, and encouraging spirit. TracyPorter.com is home to her designer products and voice to thousands of women who flock to Tracy's daily blog for a daily dose of pure Tracy. And now she's coming to Toginet. All of Tracy's enchanting goods can be found at TracyPorter.com and her nationally sought-after male catalog, Tracy Porter. Plus, you can find her here on Toginet. Tracy's awards, appearances, and accolades are too numerous to mention here. So, ladies, you've just got to come to be inspired, too. With Tracy Porter Radio, inspiring women to be true to themselves, to let their passions lead. Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central, starting November 4th on toginet.com. Get a jump on what your preschool kids need to know with Let's Get Ready for Kindergarten from Stacy Cannonberg. A mom told me this is the book I've been looking for. This book gives me all the information I need about what my kids need to know. And a private school admissions director said this is exactly what we test on. Google it, get it, and get ahead. Let's Get Ready for Kindergarten. Applauded and approved by parents and educators. Let's Get Ready for Kindergarten is a state-approved teaching tool. On sale now, in stores, or online at cedarvalleypublishing.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi on toginet.com. It's Josephine Gerasi again, and we're back to pay it forward. And today's guest is Catherine Ryan Hyde, and she's the author of over 15 published books, and she's got lots of books coming out coming coming out real soon. But Catherine, before we get into our discussion again, can you just um, tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you, your website, where they can purchase your books? Catherine, just one second. I just for clarity because um, the line might be a little fuzzy. I just yeah, want sorry. to clarify that. So, if anybody would like to go to Catherine's website, Catherine just said you can also just put C Ryan. It's R Y A N Hyde H Y D E dot com. Right, and that goes to the same place. And you know, I wanted to mention when you when you were talking about that thing about my website, which I appreciated. You know, it used to be I always had my actual email address on my website under Contact Me. So you hit Contact Me and, and you actually get my email address. People with the old website used to always write to me and say, I don't know who's reading this and I know you're probably never going to give this to Catherine Ryan Hyde. They never do that anymore. With the new website, they totally get that that is my email address and that I am the only one reading it. And that's the truth. I'm the only, I've never wanted anyone else to read 
direct mail from readers. To me, that would feel like a real violation. But that's so funny, Catherine, because I am living proof of it. Because I was sitting down one day and I said, wow, who would be an incredible guest for my show? And I'm sitting there thinking, it was like midnight, and I said, you know what? Let me just see if I can get the author of Taya Forward. And I went to your website and I was just floored. And then I saw that little button that said contact me. And I said, would I even consider doing that? Like, I was like, can I really do this? I said, oh, what the heck? She probably won't get it anyway. And I did write, dear Catherine, hoping that you would get it. But I was just amazed that within less than 24 hours later, here, you wrote this beautiful email right back to me. So, I mean, that says so, so much. You are so involved with your work. And this is what I talk about being so committed that is just, you're an inspiration to so many people. Well, thank you. I think some writers, um, from my point of view, I think maybe some writers have um, an attitude toward their readers that I don't want to slip into adopting. I think of my readers as being like my employers. If my readers stop reading my books, I'm out of a job. So that's how important they are. So, I mean, in other words, you know, how fast would you answer somebody who who writes your paycheck every week? And I I don't mean to make it sound like it's all about money, not at all, but, I I mean, these people are that important to me, my work, and my livelihood. I mean, I'm nothing without my readers. And I love it when I can make a personal connection with them. Oh, that's great. So, Catherine, let's talk about your writing. How often do you write? And um, do you have a set time blocked out every day for your writing? No, I I don't. I don't have a set time blocked out, and I'm I'm not one of those people who, you know, people say that I'm very disciplined because in the long run I get a lot done. But Uh I'm actually not very disciplined, and I'm not one of those people who writes from a very specific outline. I'm not one of those people who writes from, from... the place between my ears, and I, I can't just sit down and crank out four pages every day. I could, but there'd be four pages I wouldn't keep. So I'm one of those people who's more like what they call an inspiration writer. Like when, when I know the story is there and it's ready and it's real, then I start putting it down as, as best I possibly can. So there could be, I mean, there's, there's been, I think I wrote about eight pages on last Friday, and then before that there were maybe... Ten days when I didn't write anything, and then you know, I'll turn around and maybe I'll run into a ten-day period where I'll write ten pages every day, and I'll have a hundred days. Uh, I mean, a hundred pages at the end of ten days that I didn't have before. So it's very feast and famine, and the the, the discipline part comes in. If the work is there, you got to get in front of the computer and get it down while it's there. Oh yeah, that's where the discipline comes in, but. You know, the creative process is a, is a funny thing. It's not, there's no real on-off switch for it, if you know what I mean. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure, do you get up in the middle of the night <laughs> if that's when the moment hits? Do you well, just... I try not to. Here, here's the thing. I have a very oddly, well, I have a very odd brain. Let me just put it like that. I have a very odd brain. I can mm-hmm. stand in the middle of the supermarket aisle and think, I only came there for one item. What was it? And yet, at the same time, I can lie in bed at night waiting to fall asleep, and I can decide on three lines of dialogue that I want to add to what I wrote that day. When I wake up in the morning, they'll be there, and I can write them down. Wow. Don't ask me why. I don't know. The only thing I know is that I finally found out what my brain can do after all these years of being aware of what it can't do. 
Oh, that's great. And that's I love the that. only way I know how to explain it. So generally speaking, it's not so much of a matter of hurry up and get it down before it goes away, but mm-hmm. it's more a matter of devote the time to, to keeping the sense of it as being an active project alive. So, you know, take the whole, get up in the morning, drink a cup of tea, put down everything that you can put down until it stalls again, and then polish, 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 polish on what I've got so far until I can move forward. As soon as I take my energy out of the writing, it tends to stall. That's why it is so essential that I had to finally just draw the line and say, no, I, I can't fly to New Jersey to give a speech. I just can't. It, yeah. it seems to the people who ask me like they're only asking for an hour. Actually, of course, it takes three days because it's in New Jersey. But someone else would be losing three days from their work, but I might lose a month because I just have no idea how long it'll take me to get back to where I was in, in the process. So... It's not that I need anyone to understand that. I just have to get to the point where I, it's like I understand it. So I have to just go ahead and draw that line. Very hard thing to do in life. It's so much easier to say yes than it is to say no. Everybody likes you so much better for it. (laughs) No, but you know. Everybody's happy, you know. I'm learning, Catherine, also, you know, I kind of have a crazy busy life with three little kids and... uh, I can imagine with three little kids. Yeah, and trying to get my business off the ground, and I'm loving doing this radio show and everything. But the thing is, you know, I love to volunteer at school, and I'm the den mom for Cub Scouts, and it's all great, but I have had to get myself into a position that everybody's like, oh, you would do such a great job. Could you please help us with this? And I'd like to say, I know I could do a good job and I wish I could, but you know what? I just have to say no politely because you got to focus on what you have to do. And right now, I mean, who has to focus more than you writing two novels? Well, maybe you with three little kids. I mean, I'm writing two novels a year, but I'm not sure I put that up against three little kids to tell you the truth. Well, I just want to say one thing, Catherine. My email to you last night with that typo, I had three kids screaming in the background while I sent it to you, so please excuse that one typo. Oh, you know what? I, I haven't even read that yet. It's a power off at my house. Don't worry. Okay, great. So, Catherine, tell me something. Do you have some writing tips that you might be able to help some authors out there? Writing tips? Yeah, probably. Let me think what they would think. There's a wonderful Somerset Long quote where he says there are three rules to writing the novel. Unfortunately, nobody knows what they are. So that that plays true to an unfortunate extent. <laughs> One thing I'd say to writers is um, ease up on your first draft. You know, it, it, it all starts with putting down the first draft. And I've seen people shoot themselves in the foot in a variety of different ways from getting this first draft done. One way would be to maybe feel you have to do immense amounts of research before you can even start. That'll, that'll hurt you. You have to do research, but you can plug a lot of it in later. Uh, the other way, the main way I see people shoot themselves in the foot is they think their first draft is supposed to be perfect. I've had so many people say to me, oh, I've been working on Chapter 1 for a year and a half. And, you know, as soon as, it, as soon as it's really right, as soon as it's really right, I'll move on to Chapter 2. Well, you know nobody's going to get through a book that way. So I think the most useful piece of advice I could give is put down the first draft. Just put it down. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about the, if the sentence structure is right. Don't check it for spelling and punctuation. When in doubt, put in more than it really needs. Don't, don't put in too little because then you'll end up missing something that nobody can fill in for you. But feel free to put in too much because 
because later people can help show you how to edit it. You know, anybody can see something that doesn't, doesn't belong, that it would be better off without. Make a first draft that's messy and, and too long and doesn't start in the right place, if you need to, to just get through it. All the part about, you know, how a sentence should read, that's all second and third draft stuff. And it's only going to get in your way. So, I mean, there's a lot I could say about how to get an agent, how to get people to read your stuff, and joining a writer's group. But the bottom line is, none of that can help you until you have words down on paper. So it's right. got to start with you getting from the beginning to an end of a first draft. At that point, if you don't know how to proceed, people can help you. Nobody can help somebody who doesn't have a first draft down. I mean, nobody can pull this stuff out of your head and get it onto the paper. So what does somebody do once they get that first draft down, Catherine? Like, do they hire their own editor to just uh, go through it to clean it up? Sometimes they... they do, but I'm not a big fan of that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, if somebody out there, you know, works as an as a, as editor in that way, I'm not saying what they do is not useful. Uh-huh. Some people find that very useful. I, I actually think it's more useful if you can get by on this. To join a writer's group or a writer's workshop and start reading the work out loud or having people read it on the page and getting more like a jury of your peers, I think okay. potentially the problem with an editor, it's got to be a really good fit because the editor is going to tell you how to make it more like they would have written it. Well, the people in the writer's group are going to tell you how to make it more like they would have written it, but there are 20 of them. So, so you can kind of get all the opinions you need. Sure. You know, I, lo- I love what you said about an editor once, that you said um, they'll come to you and the editor will have their idea on how they want you to change it, but you'll come back with the third version and say, yeah. well, how about this? And I thought that was right on target. Yeah, I solve you- more problems that way. Yeah, gen- generally, generally when, when a professional editor at, at, one of, at one of my publishing houses, identifies a problem with the book, like, I, you know, this didn't come through clearly or whatever, or this wasn't satisfying. They're usually right about the problem. And when they say, maybe you should do this instead, they're almost always wrong about the solution, to my mind anyway, I mean, for what I would want my book to be. And so usually what I have to do is I, I have to dismiss their solution, but I have to take the problem to heart, that they notice. And I have to come up with a way that stays true to my vision of the work and Okay, that sounds great, Catherine. Thanks so much. We'll be back shortly with Paying It Forward. We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi right after these on Toginet.com. Being frugal doesn't mean being cheap, and the Frugalitarian is here to show you how. Jody Olson is the Frugalitarian on Toginet, 3 p.m. Central, Wednesdays. This is the art of great living. It's just a matter of time before people start asking you to tell them your secrets to better style, bargains on food, home decor, and clothing. Your wants don't have to change, just how you acquire what you want. On the Frugalitarian, it's an uncommon mix of style. 
fashion savvy and earth friendly showing you great taste great style and great ideas for finding everything you want for nearly nothing i'm speaking from experience i live on a beautiful farm where i take care of sheep and do a few light farm chores for extremely low rent for more clever ideas on how to waste not and totally want not go to thefrugalitarian.com Join us every week for more information on how you can live better for less with Jody Olson. It's The Frugalitarian, Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Celebrate Green is coming to Toginet, Wednesdays at noon Central Time, starting November 4th. The mother-daughter team of Lynn and Corey will have you going green and loving it in no time at all. As heard on Martha Stewart and Disney Radio and seen blogging for HGTV, Lynn Caldwell and Corey Caldwell-Lipsum are unapologetic evangelists for greening every aspect of life, especially holidays and celebrations. Based on their book, Celebrate Green, they're putting the meaning in the green with their simple, fun, eco-friendly, affordable ideas. From their start with green Halloween to tips, tricks, ideas, and projects for every holiday, you'll love Celebrate Green. You can check them out online, too, at CelebrateGreen.net and GreenHalloween.org for more information, the newsletter, the blogs, places to shop, cool extras, and so much more. So get ready to Celebrate Green, the radio show with Lynn and Corey, Wednesdays at noon Central Time, starting November 4th on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi on toginet.com. Well, I'd like to welcome back Catherine Ryan Hyde, um, our famous author that we've been interviewing today. And I just wanted our listeners to know that, once again, they can go to C. Ryan Hyde. That's C. R-Y-A-N-H-Y-D-E dot com. And Catherine has this fabulous website. She's got great videos on it. So even if you don't have a lot of time and you want to go, um, you want to learn a little bit about all of her fabulous books, you can just click on her um, videos. And she does a lot of readings from her books. So um, it's just a really, really great information um, website. So you can get a lot of stuff there. So, um, Catherine, we were just talking about the um, editorial process, and um, I know I just wanted you to wrap up your thought on that. Yeah, the, the thought that I was going for when the music started was just, you know, I was talking about what I've learned about working with professional editors at a publishing house and, and, you know, when to doubt them and when to believe them and, you know, kind of what to keep and what to throw away. And this is why when somebody tells me that they have a novel in progress or have finished the draft of a novel, I always send them to a writer's group a writer's workshop, because that's where you learn that. That's where you learn the difference between what you need to listen to and what's just somebody else's opinion. I could probably wrap it up by saying I just really strongly advise if you're writing a novel, just don't write it in a vacuum. You know, just oh, right. allow the opinions of other people in. Too. You're going to get them sooner or later. You're going to get reviews and you're going to get readers. So sooner or later, you're going to hear people's opinions. Oh, I, I think that's great advice. So, Catherine, I'm curious about something. Do you work from start to finish on a book, or do you write, you know, scene by scene? Um, you kind of have to write. I almost have to write scene by scene because, well, I mean, some, uh, I may sit down on one day and write maybe three scenes if they're ready. Okay. But okay. I kind of have to do it scene by scene because I, I, just, I have to do, I have to write the part of it that's ready to write and then take a pause. Okay. 
So, I mean, I, I should be so lucky as to just write it start to finish without a break. But I'm kind of, to some degree, developing it as I go along. I'm not just, just floundering making it up as I go. But in terms of the really rich detail and the dialogue and things like that, it, it has to mature a little bit at a time. Oh, that's great. So now, does that mature while you're hiking? <laughs> yes, it does. It matures, it matures while I'm doing, just funny you should mention it. Um, the, that type of work gets done when I'm doing really just about anything that I do with my hands or my feet, but that doesn't really require a, a lot of thought process. So hiking, so. kayaking, fishing, you know, all those things are things, even there's a wonderful old quote, and I forget who said it. Some famous old author said, the hardest work that a writer will ever have to do is to convince his wife that while looking out the window, he is working. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, sometimes it could just that. be sitting there staring into space. But yes, absolutely. A lot of times if, I, if I'm trying to write and I feel a little bit stuck, I'll take my dog out for a walk over the, there's like a ranch land out here that's up on a bluff over the ocean. Mm-hmm. And I'll take her out there for a couple miles, and I'll I'll just let it roll around in my head while I'm walking. I'm not I'm not purposely thinking about it, but it's it's in my head, kind of kicking around. That's so funny, Catherine. Because when I am trying to come up with a business plan or a marketing plan, I won't write anything down for days, and I call it my formulation mode. Yeah. I'm formulating it all in my mind, and then I'll sit down at as soon as I feel like okay, I got it. I'll sit down and I'll write it in a half hour, yep. and that's exactly, it's similar. It's, you know similar. What it be, it's really the same thing. It's, it's the creative process. It's just a couple different applications of it. Absolutely. So, um, all right, Catherine, so it's so funny. I just want to mention that your photographs are just amazing. And oh, when, you're a creative so person, <laughs> when you're a creative person, you can not only write, but your photographs are amazing, so I, oh, I'm sure if the listeners go to your website, they'll get to see that, too. So it's you're a creative person, so I just wanted to mention I love your photographs. So. Thank you. I've never been in a position where I could display them on my website before. You know, now I have that kind of gallery thing that I can link to where I can put them up online. I've always had these photographs of places I've gone, and I've never had a way to, to display them for people who might be interested in them, so it's very nice for me. Uh, and I love it because I can tell in your videos that you're using your own photography. Yeah. And it goes back to your website, how important it is to do it yourself because only you know you the best. Yeah, that's and, really true. You can pay somebody to come up with something like, you know, a video like that for you. And sometimes it just doesn't, sometimes it just doesn't have the feel that you would have given it at all. Yeah. So, um... All right, so Catherine, I was also curious to know, do you get to select and work with the illustrator or designer on your cover art? No, no. Oh, the cover is always a little bit of a surprise. Well, here, here's the thing. They'll, they'll have sort of a draft of the cover. Like they'll come up with an idea, like this will be our first draft cover. But they will show it to me. I've never, well, maybe, uh, that's not true. Once I had it not shown to me. Generally, they'll show it to me. And they'll say, we hope you love this. We love this. Sometimes I love it, sometimes I don't. Right. And sometimes, like like with the cover of Electric God, which, by the way, that's not the first-generation cover, if you're looking at that online. That's the second one that I fought for. Sometimes I'll win, and I'll get them to go back to the drawing board. It depends on how sure they were. 
Sometimes I won't like a cover. Like the cover of mine that I probably like the very least is uh, the hard cover of, of Chasing Windmills. Okay. Which I guess I'm not the only one because the paperback came out with a different cover and they usually don't. Um, okay. I pushed and pushed for a new one, but I did not win. What did the old cover look like? Because the new one has the girl with her head down, right? Yeah, the old one, it was also in the subway and... And it was a girl with dark hair, and her hair was kind of over half her face. But I don't know. You'd, you'd, have, to, you'd have to look at it to see what I mean. It, it has yeah. a kind of a young adult look, which I don't really mind. But I don't know. It, to me, it's, it's not appealing. I mean, at least the, the one that you're looking at with the paperback, the woman looks kind of contained and kind of almost a little dignified and a little afraid. And, and there's something that kind of pulls you into it. But I think yeah. with this other one, it kind of pushed people away. So... You know, I get some input on it, but the bottom line is, believe it or not, the title of a book is also technically belongs to marketing. If they want to yes. change your title, they can. Fortunately, I've always managed to come up with a title. If they've said they can't use the one of God, I've always managed to come up with another one that, that can be accepted. But That's the title and the cover are considered marketing tools, and so they get the last call on that. That's great. So, um, Catherine, I once took a writing course, and I remember my teacher saying, in order to be a good writer, you must be a good reader. Oh, that is so true. Yeah, I thought that was so interesting, and um, I would love to know, so what kind of books do you like to read? I read a lot of young adult books. I read a lot of young adult books, Uh, partly because I write young adult. I don't write exclusively young adult, but I, I do write young adult. And it's, it's a, a form of writing that's particularly close to my heart. For those of you who are adults who haven't read young adults for year, years, it's not what you think it is. I guarantee you it's not what it used to be. It's a, it's a very cutting-edge form of literature, in, you know, in its best case. Um, so I read a lot of young adult novels, and I read, you know, I read things that are recommended to me because it's, it's in sort of the same field or the same genre as I'm writing in. Which is, I mean, it, it's funny. I mean, I, 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 this is what I call my homework reading. Like, you know, huh. this has come out and, and you're being compared to it or, or this is like right. a, a similar subject handled in a different way or whatever. And so I'll read things that I think I'm supposed to keep up on. But, you know, so just for my own, I like, I like stuff that's kind of on the literary side of mainstream. I still do read a lot of short stories. Uh-huh. And it's too bad that, that a lot of people don't. I don't know really what's happened to the short story these days, but I still read them. And I read, yeah. you know, I read some nonfiction because, like everybody else, I like to be caught up with health and nutrition and other things that are covered in novels. I think that's great. As far as the short stories go, Catherine, um, they're like perfect for the stay-at-home mom because <laughs> we're always interrupted constantly and... Um, Maybe we can get some of our listeners out there who are moms um, to go on your website and check out some of your short stories. And um, I love the fact that you have podcasts, too, that can be downloaded. How yeah, great is that? Yeah, the podcasts are free. I figure there's a little extra value for coming to my site. Instead of trying to get together a book of short stories and selling them to you, I thought, ah, the short stories will be free. Oh, I, th- I think that that's just wonderful. So, um, Catherine, what else do you want to talk to us about? We just have a few minutes left. Is there... Um, well, maybe I'm going we to should... very briefly mention the foundation, the yeah. Foundation, which, uh, which I founded not single-handedly. I actually founded it with... Uh, is that the right word? Founded it? I guess. <laughs> I 
doll, right? With the hat of, uh, of someone from the movie and, okay. and the year 2000. And I was the president of it from 2000 through 2009. So I had quite a long run. But I finally got to the point where it was clear that I just, I didn't have the time and the energy that it needed. So, um, so as of January 1st, at, you know, 12.01 in the morning, we have a wonderful new Pay It Forward Foundation president. But anyone who's interested in the Pay It Forward Foundation, they can just go out to payitforwardfoundation.org, and it's all out there for them to read. What yeah, that's do, great. It, you know, yeah, just the, um, the main concept, the mission statement that I had, it's um, used for, um, well, you, the author, Catherine Ryan Hyde, and others to educate and inspire students to realize that they can change the world and provide them with opportunities to do so. So that's the whole concept behind uh, the Pay It Forward Foundation, which I think is incredible. And uh, I'm going to do that with my little uh, Cub Scouts. Oh, um, good. How about your little Cub Scouts? It doesn't matter. Any age will do. No, they're seven years old. Oh, that's and a good age. Sure. It's amazing, Catherine, how they get so intrigued by something like this. And they're all learning how to read. So, you know, my son was so excited that I was interviewing a, a, an author today. And uh, he wants to know, do you know, um, I think his last name is Kinney. He is the author of Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Oh, I'm <laughs> afraid I don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sure it's, I'd be much more popular if I did, but I don't. No, it's so sad. Oh, by the way, I, I, I want to mention that out on the Pay Forward Foundation website, there, there are free downloadable excerpts of the okay. book for kids who are too young to read the whole book. Because, oh. you know, the whole book is, you know, there's some adult material in there. I didn't really write it for kids. And right. one of them would actually be suitable for seven-year-olds. Oh, that's great. The younger of the two. So I just want to mention there are a lot of resources out there And they just get so much out of doing so many good things for others. So, Catherine, you've done so much for everybody. I I wish that, um, or I hope you realize you have changed the world. And I have goosebumps just thinking about how much you've accomplished through your writing. So I want to wish you all the luck in the world. I'm looking forward to reading your new books 